If you would like to support the show, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers, where you can pick up one of several t-shirt designs, including the brand new Main Event Heat podcast shirt. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash R-O-B-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the second ever episode of Main Event Heat. I am your host, Rob Weathers. Well, this is technically the second episode, you know, if we're talking chronologically speaking, but if I'm going to be honest with you, this is really the first episode. I'm treating this like it's the first real episode. Last week was an introduction. Last week was just a little taste, let you guys get to know me for a moment, This week, we're actually going to talk some professional wrestling. I'm so excited to get into it. But before we talk about this week, I want to thank everybody who listened last week. I got some pretty good feedback from that episode. A lot of friends that checked it out DM me and told me that they enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys stick around for this week and every week to come. And uh, also, next week, I should be doing my first interview on the show. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine earlier that I would like to be the first interview on main event heat. So hopefully get a chance to get that recorded soon. And that should be episode three. I'm really looking forward to doing that one. But before we get there, let's talk about this week. This week, we're going to do a top 10 list. I figured this was going to be a good way to really kick off main event heat because people love lists. It's just a fact. Watch alongs and lists. They're the two most over things in professional wrestling. So I figured keep on with the whole introduction train. You know, we talked last week about things that I like and didn't like in wrestling, talked about my personal experiences in wrestling. This week, let's talk about my personal top 10 favorite wrestling matches. I spent the last few days going over a handful of matches. I had probably 20 or 30 matches written down that could really be considered my top 10 favorites. Took me a while to narrow it down, but I think I've got a pretty damn good list here. It's kind of crazy because I'd say half of this list are matches that occurred in the last like four years. That's just to show how crazy the last few years in wrestling has been. Like some of, and of course, in my opinion, the best matches in the world happened since 2018 or 2017. Actually, I got a couple, I got, I think I have two matches from 2017 and on. There are a few older ones. Uh, unfortunately I don't have, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys straight up right now. The oldest match on this list is from 2001. I know that there's probably some people that are listening to me right now going, you are out of your mind. You mean to tell me that you don't have Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man on this list? You mean to tell me you don't have any of the Steamboat Flair matches? You don't have any Hogan matches, nothing like that? No, I don't. And it's not to say that I think those are bad matches, because I don't. You know, the the Steamboat and and Flair matches are, they're they're fantastic. That's probably the greatest trilogy to ever happen in professional wrestling. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. But I'm 30 years old. Those matches happened before I was born. So 
they didn't have that much of an immediate impact on me. These matches did. These are all matches that I watch live. So it's, it's, it's a different story. Um, once again, like I said, if, if your favorite match isn't on this list, it's not because I don't think it's a great match. That's not the case whatsoever. These are just ones that impacted me personally. Now, with that being said, before we get onto the list, I do want to make one small disclaimer. And it's something that I just feel like I should say out loud before we get onto this list. A couple of the names that you're going to hear are people that were implicated over the last year after the speaking out movement in professional wrestling. Uh, I'm going to, uh, straight from jump, I'm going to tell you the two names right now, Velveteen Dream and Will Ospreay. I, in no way, shape, or form, by putting them on this list, am I trying to glorify them as human beings or say that anything that they did or did not do in their personal life is right or wrong. That is not at all what I'm doing with this list. I'm specifically just talking about these matches, and I'm talking about their characters. Simple as that. Uh, I just wanted to put that little disclaimer in there before we get on with this. I, I understand that, you know, this is a, is a touchy subject for a lot of people. I in no way, shape, or form mean to be insensitive. I just wanted to tell you guys from jump, they're going to be on the list. And with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started. All right, kicking the list off with number 10, we have Aleister Black versus Velveteen Dream at NXT TakeOver War Games 2017. This match, to me, is the one of the best examples I can come up with in the modern era of the crowd really being just as important, if not more important, than the wrestlers. Because I can tell you guys right now, if this match took place during the pandemic era and there was no crowd or a very small crowd, the match wouldn't make my list. The crowd is really what catapults this to top 10. Just to give you guys a little, a little bit of a, a, a rundown of, of what went on here, Aleister Black is pretty new to NXT at this point. I think he's had a few matches but he comes in and he he's immediately the fucking coolest cat on the block. He's got this fantastic look, this really cool interest, this entrance, this absolutely badass theme song. And he's got a kick-ass moveset. That Black Mass is one of my favorite finishers in professional wrestling. He's got everything going for him. He's the shiny new toy in NXT. Velveteen Dream had been kind of milling about in the performance center for a couple of years at this point as Patrick Clark, <coughs> excuse me. And this was his breakout moment. He had been kind of trying to figure this character out for a few months leading up to this. He came out. I remember he came out on NXT TV probably five or six months before this match as kind of the early incarnation of Velveteen Dream. I believe he was still going by his, his actual name, Patrick Clark. But he came out and he was, he, was, he was a Prince ripoff. It is what it is. He was an absolute Prince ripoff. And it had huge heat with me because I'm a Prince fan. And the way I saw him, he was doing a parody. Like, he actually came out and his promo that he cut was just basically a parody of, of the intro to Let's Go Crazy by Prince. I hated him. I didn't want nothing to do with this dude. Then... He took some time away, really fleshed out who the Velveteen Dream is. 
comes in and then the very first thing he wants to do is go after the shiny new toy of NXT, Aleister Black. And this whole feud, if you guys remember it, this entire feud was fixated on Aleister Black, not, not Aleister, uh, Velveteen Dream wanting, basically just wanting people to recognize him and say his name. Specifically, he wants Aleister Black to say his name. And Aleister won't do it. And that just pisses Velveteen Dream off. So you've got several weeks of Dream just trying to torment Aleister Black. And then we have the match at War Games. The first, I believe this is the first War Games pay-per-view under the NXT banner. And, oh my god, just the crowd could not get enough of this. Because you've got Black, who was over the second he walked in the door. And then you've got Dream, who, through his character development over the last several weeks at this point had just, he was, I don't know, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't even understand it going into the match. I was like, why does everybody seem to like this Velveteen Dream guy? Like, I just saw Prince rip off, you know, that that original promo whenever he came out dressed as Prince. I just, I couldn't get out of my head. It just irritated the hell out of me. I'm like, why does everybody like this dude? And going into it, I was like, this is goofy. This whole setup is so goofy. Then the match happens and I was hooked. They, they're they constantly back and forth at each other, trying to get in each other's heads. And it just the, the grappling exchanges were fantastic. Dream had some really innovative offense. He did this move. Uh, it, was a, it was like a flatliner into a DDT. Like it looked like he was setting up a Sister Abigail. Then he wrapped his arm around his, his neck and did a DDT. And commentary was putting it over like, like they had never seen that before. I don't think I had ever seen that before. Since then, though, I've seen a lot of people do that move. I actually think I saw Alexa Bliss do it on a pay-per-view not too long ago that I was watching with my wife. And it, that's just, Velveteen Dream was, like, even though he had been there for a while, he really hadn't at all got a chance to shine. And it might have taken him a while to really figure out who he was, but once he did, this character was brilliant, and the moveset was very, very good. Aleister Black, of course, was one of the best NXT champions in the world. His moveset absolutely untouched. These guys had a fantastic match, but even, in some people's opinion, even better than the match, when it ends, Dream is on the, he's face down on the canvas, just distraught. Black sits next to him, crosses his legs, gets a microphone, and says, enjoy infamy, Velveteen Dream. The look on Dream's face, this dude forgot immediately that he just lost this match because he finally got what he wanted. Black said his name. He finally got it. And the crowd absolutely erupted. It was a beautiful sight. I To this day, I... I, I don't know, man. Like, this is a match that proved me wrong. Going into it, I was like, this is goofy. Then the match happened. By the time it was over, I said, there's nothing goofy about this whatsoever. Fantastic match. <clears throat> uh, we move on to number nine, something just a little bit older. One of the best matches in WrestleMania history. Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle. WrestleMania 20, 2004. If you guys haven't seen this match... Please go out of your way to watch it. Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle to this day are heralded as two of the greatest wrestlers to ever lace up a pair of boots. And what's fantastic about this match is they're both in their prime. This is the, in my opinion, 
the best Kurt Angle had ever looked, and this is the best Eddie Guerrero ever looked. And they have such an awesome match. The grappling exchanges were so clean. Like, these two just had a chemistry with each other. And it's crazy because, like, Kurt Angle was, you know, keep in mind, this is 2004. Kurt Angle's been wrestling for, what, five years, maybe? It's so weird how Kurt just just figured the business out so quickly and in just a few years is putting on absolute bangers. This match with Eddie is, is, like I said, it's one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. I think it's the greatest WrestleMania title match of all time. The, the story that these guys told in that ring was fantastic. And, and if you've seen it, you know the whole bit about, you know, Kurt keeps trying to lock in that ankle lock. And he locks it in several times throughout the match. Eddie, at one point, starts slowly loosening the laces on his boots to where whenever Angle tries to lock in that ankle lock for what he thinks is going to be the last time, Eddie just slips right out of the boot and rolls Angle up and wins. I think if a lot of wrestlers would have done a similar spot, it wouldn't have gone over well with the crowd. But because it was Eddie, it was so on brand, and it was absolutely like this is peak lie, cheat, steal Eddie. And he's the only guy that could get away with the stuff that he did and still be absolutely loved by the crowd. I read something on Twitter. This was probably about a week ago at this point. Some some jerk off. I don't know if he's like a dirt sheet writer or what. But it made some post about Eddie Guerrero being a B-plus player. And the only reason he's held in such high regard is because he's gone. That's absolute bullshit. Go watch a match like this. That is anything but a B-plus player. Eddie Guerrero was so important to that company. And this match with Angle, like I said, one of the greatest matches that WWE ever had. It's number nine on my list. Going into number eight, I know this is kind of weird considering that I said in last week's episode, not a huge WWE fan. This match happened at a point in WWE's history, when I really wasn't paying attention. Number eight is Triple H versus The Undertaker, the end of an era Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania 28 in 2012. Like I said, by 2012, I was not invested in what WWE was putting on TV. I couldn't care less. And my wife, her family always watched WrestleMania every year. And WrestleMania always falls on or around my birthday, so I'm typically over at, over at uh, you know, we were dating at the time. I was typically over at her house watching the show with her and her family, and I couldn't care about anything else on this card. Um, I think this is the first time Cena and Rock wrestled, too, I want to say, with WrestleMania 28. I couldn't give a damn, and that was a big deal. I couldn't give a damn. This match, on the other hand, I gave all of the dams. <laughs> this was such... An unbelievable match. I I talked about last week, my very first ever impression of professional wrestling was I saw the D-Generation X VHS tape in 98. That was the very first anything professional wrestling I ever saw. So I'm a lifelong DX fan. And you've got Triple H versus The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels, the special guest referee. And there's this, this great story with Shawn the entire match where he's torn. Triple H is his best friend. So he wants to do everything he can to make sure that his best friend finally topples this streak. The streak that Shawn Michaels could not beat. 
He wants to try to make sure that his best friend can do it. But he also has more respect for The Undertaker than anybody else in the wrestling industry. Undertaker's the guy that retired him. In Sean's opinion, Undertaker's his greatest rival. And that respect, it's, it's, it's on display all throughout the match. And just, yeah, it's a brutal match. So There's a lot of chair spots, sledgehammer spots. These guys just beat the dog shit out of each other. And this is at a point, this was Undertaker's 20th win in the streak. I was one of those guys that was always like, the streak's never going to end. This is stupid. Why even bother watching an Undertaker WrestleMania match? You know he's going to win. Who even cares? There were several points in this match where I was like, I don't know, maybe. Maybe maybe Triple H gets the win here. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, as we all know, it didn't happen. Taker wins, and I wasn't even disappointed. It was It was such a brutal match and it was something that wwe in my opinion has not replicated ever since fantastic match um i'd like to hope that the end of an era tagline actually stuck and this was in fact the end of that era it kind of wasn't as we all know we're not going to get into anything that happened after this but yeah absolutely brilliant match um triple h versus undertaker i can't put it over enough on to number seven, we're getting out of WWE territory now, and we're getting into New Japan territory. Number seven, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada. But which one? It's the third one. G1 Climax 2017. A lot of people will tell you that the fourth match is the best one. Some people will tell you the first match was the best one. Not a lot of people tell you the third match is the best one. I think it was. And I'll tell you why I think it was. G1 Climax 2017, Kenny Omega and Okada have already met twice before this. They had the legendary Wrestle Kingdom match where Okada puts Omega away after, I think it was like 45 minutes. It was a ridiculously long match. And that was the match that like I had been kind of casually watching New Japan before that point. Once that first Okada Omega match happened, I was like, that's it. New Japan's my new favorite company. I have to watch this. This is amazing. That was the first Wrestle Kingdom I ever watched. It was it was absolutely brilliant match. Then they go on, I believe six, seven, eight months later, I think it was Dominion. They have the second match. And it goes to an hour draw. An hour draw. So now Okada's got a win and there's a draw. We go into the G1 Climax Tournament. Omega and Okada meet towards the end of the tournament. And Omega finally gets a win. He had a 30-minute time limit. So he knew he had to throw everything at Okada, and he had to do it fast. He had to do everything that he could to make sure that he got him in that one-winged angel in the center of the ring. That was the only way he was going to get the win. He knew he couldn't do it anywhere near the ropes. He couldn't do it outside of the ring. He needed that one-winged angel, and he needed it dead in the center of the ring. And he got it close to the half-hour point. I think it was 25, 26-minute long match. And it was just, it was fast-paced the entire time. And you can see Kenny's face the entire match. He's just obsessed. I have to get this win. I have to tell myself I can get this win. And it's kind of bittersweet when he finally does. Yes, he finally beat Okada. That title's not on the line. Now, 
he beats him for a chance to get the challenge for the title, but he didn't beat him for the title. They obviously meet almost a year later. They have the no time limit match. Winds up going well over an hour, two out of three falls. It was a brilliant match, and it was an absolutely beautiful match with a lot of callbacks to the first three matches. But in my opinion, for my money, this was the best match in the series. G1 Climax 2017. If you haven't seen it, get on New Japan World and go look for this one. It is it is a very fast-paced match. It is the fastest-paced match in their rivalry. And I think that's why I liked it. Because, you know, I love a good hour-long match as much as, as other people do. But, you know, also got shit to do. I can't... I don't want to sit here and watch, you know, too many hour-long matches. Like, these guys spent, like, four hours wrestling each other across four matches. That's insane. But this match, though, I can watch it every single day for the rest of my life. Absolutely brilliant. Now, number six. This is from a company called Progress Wrestling. If you guys have not heard of Progress Wrestling, they are an indie promotion in England. They have a partnership with NXT. A lot of the NXT UK talent, if you guys do watch that show, a lot of those guys came from Progress. Um, the match that I put at number six on my list is Aussie Open versus the Swords of Essex, the latter match from Chapter 87 in 2019. Progress called this their best match of 2019. I call this one of their best matches of ever. This was an amazing match. Aussie Open becomes the tag team champions in progress at a time when Progress's tag team division really wasn't all that much to write about. A lot of their best tag teams had already left and went to NXT. So Progress kind of was like, what are we going to do to challenge these guys? What, are we, what, what can we really do to, to, to ignite a fire in this tag team division again. So they put together an old progress team called the Swords of Essex. Paul Robinson, Will Ospreay. They were a dominant team at the beginning of Progress's life. Ospreay had been in Japan for a while at this point. Robinson had done a few different things in progress. They put them back together, and they're dominant right out of the gate. They take the belts off of Ozzy Open. This is a ladder match. I believe this is the match where Ozzy is getting the, the, getting the belts back from Swords of Essex at this point. This match is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. A lot of spots where people are getting thrown into the crowd. There's a lot of, obviously, a lot of ladder spots at being a ladder match. One of my favorite spots of the entire match is Paul Robinson does a sunset flip powerbomb to Kyle Fletcher off the top of the ladder into four chairs waiting on the mat. It's a brutal spot that could have went wrong so fast, and it was executed perfectly. Literally, the slightest movement, this could have really fucked up uh, either one of these guys. But just, oh my God, I can't put this match over enough. Absolutely fantastic match. Uh, if you guys want to watch anything from Progress, this match included, they have an app called Demand Progress. Go look at that. I think it's like $7.99 a month for, uh, for an account. Chapter 87, fantastic show in general. This match, like I said, one of the, it's the best match on that show. Best match of that year. 
one of the best matches in the company history. The only reason I don't say it's the best is because you, this is not going to be the last time you hear from progress on this list. But yeah, Aussie Open, Swords of Essex, go check it out if you haven't already. All right, continuing with the list, coming in at number five is a match that I have a lot of sentimental value towards, and it's because I was there. It's the only match on this list that I actually saw in person. Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega, Super Card of Honor 12, 2018. At this point, the Bullet Club is the hottest thing in professional wrestling. I was wearing a Bullet Club shirt at this show. So was about 5,000 of the 6,000 fans. They were all wearing Bullet Club shirts too. Um, they're fighting for leadership of the Bullet Club at this point. Kenny Omega is, is the leader. Cody Rhodes, ever since he joined the Bullet Club, has kind of been a shit disturber. He, he, he comes in basically just to, to start shit. And the rivalry between these two was fantastic. And it was all the rage. It was what seemingly every wrestling news outlet wanted to talk about. It was what every wrestling YouTuber wanted to talk about. This was a big deal. This match was such a big deal. I had been thinking. So at the time, I was living in Louisiana. This, this show took place in New Orleans. And I wanted to go to one of the big, at least one of the big shows, WrestleMania weekend. I didn't necessarily want to go to WrestleMania because sitting in the Superdome with 80,000 other people watching a WWE product in 2018 didn't really appeal to me. But I wanted to go to something. Maybe it was going to be the NXT show. Maybe it's Supercard of Honor. Maybe it's, it's one of the several indie shows that was taking place that weekend. I was watching Being the Elite. They announced on Being the Elite, Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega at the show. The second that video ended, I immediately went on Ticketmaster and I bought tickets. I had to see that match in person. This was a very good show. The Young Bucks were in a ladder match earlier in the night. That was fantastic. Kota Ibushi wrestled Hangman Page early in the show. Absolutely brilliant match. This match, crazy as it is, was not the main event. It should have been because probably about 2,000 people left after this match ended. Uh, they didn't care about the world title match. This was the match to see. Brilliant storytelling all throughout this match. Like It was probably a 20, 30-minute long match. It felt like they hardly touched each other up until about 10 minutes into the match. But when they did, just Cody Rhodes was so, so over as a heel at this point. Like He didn't have to try very hard to get people to boo him. He was... Peak heel Cody Rhodes at this point. Kenny Omega is is really starting to get that baby face shine. And just the dynamic between the two is fantastic. Uh, the match ends in betrayal, accidental betrayal, I should say. The Young Bucks come in, attempt to help Kenny Omega. They're going to super kick Cody Rhodes. Then as they go to hit him, Cody Rhodes ducks out of the way. They accidentally hit Omega. Cody pins him, gets the win. Continuing this feud. And it was such a great match. It was awesome getting to see it in person. It was an awesome story. They kept this going for several months. Uh, I think it was up until they had a New Japan show in San Francisco. I believe that's whenever they finally they finally ended this story. But 
Yeah, it was brilliant. Getting to see it live was so great. I A fun little story about that weekend. So I wanted to go to some of the indie shows because Progress, as I mentioned in the last entry, they were there doing a couple of shows. I wanted to go to at least one of their shows, but I wound up having to fly to Atlanta that weekend for a job interview. I flew out Thursday. I didn't get back until Friday night, so I didn't get a chance to see some of the other stuff that I wanted to see. I was actually on the same flight as Cody Rhodes as he was flying to New Orleans for the show. Uh, I didn't bother him on the flight. I wound up getting to meet him later here in Atlanta, and I told him that story. And he told me, he's like, man, why didn't you come up and say something to me? And I said, because traveling sucks, and I'm, I'm not one of those fans. I'm not going to come bother you while you're flying. But, yeah, cool little story, I guess. Uh, absolutely fantastic match. Great weekend. I got the job, by the way. That's why I'm here. But uh, let's move on to number four. Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon, King of the Ring 2001. This, in my opinion, is the greatest match that ever happened on a WWE show, and it's not even close. Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon, these two, I can't really say these two beat the shit out of each other. Kurt Angle beat the shit out of Shane McMahon. Shane was not a wrestler but he wanted to do everything that he could to prove himself in that environment. He was constantly falling off of shit or getting thrown through shit or getting dropped on shit. He was doing everything that he could to prove himself to, I guess, his father, to the, to the rest of the boys in the locker room. This match is no exception. I think a lot of people know the famous glass spot between these two in this match. If you... Don't know. Basically, there's supposed to be a spot in the match where Shane McMahon gets thrown through a pane of glass in the entryway. Uh, it's supposed to be sugar glass so that it's easy to go through and it doesn't hurt. It couldn't be sugar glass. The set designers or, or the guys that were setting up the set changed it to plexiglass because there was a lot of pyro and the pyro would have melted the sugar glass. Nobody told Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon. So they go to do the spot. And instead of Shane McMahon going through the glass, he just bounces off of it. And Kurt Angle wants to call an audible. Shane won't let him. He starts cussing him out and tells him to throw him through it. So he throws him through the glass. Kurt Angle says, what next? Shane said, let's go over there and throw me through that glass. <laughs> Same thing happens. Throws him against it. He bounces off. Shane McMahon cusses him out one more time. Throw me through it, motherfucker. Kurt sends him through the glass again. Obviously, that spot lives on in wrestling infamy. Um, it's really crazy. Shane McMahon's such a crazy son of a bitch for wanting to do that. But outside of that, obviously, that's the, the most famous spot from the match. The rest of the match is brilliant. There was a great story going into it. This is at the King of the Ring. Kurt Angle is a big part in the King of the Ring tournament. Kurt Angle wrestled a semifinal match at the beginning of the show Shane McMahon actually helped Kurt Angle win the match, which everybody was kind of confused. Like, why would Shane do that? That's because Shane wanted Kurt to have to wrestle three times. He wanted Kurt to go into the finals and get beat up some more because Shane knew, I'm not a wrestler. This dude's an Olympic gold medalist. The fuck am I going to do? I need to be able to beat this guy. So he did everything he could to make sure that Kurt was hurt before he got into that match. And I believe Kurt... I can't remember what it was. I think he broke something or had a concussion earlier in the night or something. Kurt wrestled actually really hurt 
in that match with Shane McMahon. But still, dude's dude's a cyborg. Still managed to put on such a fantastic match. The ending, the big angle slam off of the top rope is one of my favorite endings to a wrestling match that I've ever seen. It was brilliant. I loved Shane McMahon at this point. As a kid, when Shane McMahon was the European champion, the European belt was my favorite belt. So I... I was so young whenever the show came out. My parents almost never let me watch the second hour of Raw. The only time that they would ever let me watch the second hour of Raw is if, you know, 9 o'clock hit and they forgot. That's the only time they'd ever let me do it. Um, so I watched a lot of the mid-card guys. I watched a lot of, it was a lot of European belt and a lot of the hardcore belt. That's what I saw. The European belt was my world champion. When Shane McMahon got that belt off of, I believe he beat X-Pac for it, my favorite thing in the world. Shane McMahon would he would he would constantly taunt whoever he was wrestling. Like whenever he was feuding with X Pac, he would wear X Pac clothes and would like you know put graffiti on it or whatever you know and just he was such a shit starter and I loved it so much and and something about that really stuck with me. I you know I I'm in the business but I'm I'm obviously not a wrestler. If I ever did wrestle a match. I would take a lot of influence from Shane McMahon. I would probably wear the merch of whoever I'm wrestling just to piss him off. And that's Shane. Shane was a huge influence on me. Back then, the dude could cut a promo, too. Oh, my God, could he cut a promo. Was super shit on commentary, so it didn't really translate. I know he did He did Sunday Night Heat for a while. Wasn't very good, but whenever he was in the ring cutting a good heel promo, fantastic. I thought Shane McMahon was one of the greatest heels of the Attitude Era. But yeah, Angle Shane McMahon, King of the Ring 01. Please watch it if you haven't already. If the only thing you know about that match is the glass spot, go watch the rest of it because the rest of it is, is fantastic. Moving on to number three, we're going to talk about progress wrestling again. And this one's a weird one. Kara Noir versus Ilya Dragunov. The whole trilogy I'm putting on here. Chapter 96, Chapter 97, Chapter 99. All of these matches took place in the fall of 2019. I know what you might be thinking. Rob, that's three matches, not one. How could you put three matches at number three? Well, it's my list. <laughs> and honestly, the way that I justify this, in my opinion, you can put literally any one of these matches. Chapter 96, chapter 97, or chapter 99. All three of them are equally fantastic, and they all tell one big story. And... It's different for a lot of people and, and a lot of wrestling fans. This is a different one because the story kind of revolves around admiration and there's a lot of, you know, this kind of story about love almost in a way. These guys wrestle each other. Chapter 96, Car Noir. I think this is one of his first matches in the company and he just captivates the crowd immediately he is known as the Black Swan. He comes out to the ring and he does basically a ballet routine before he gets in the ring. The crowd's chanting that was awesome before he ever even throws a punch. Everybody immediately loves Car Noir. For me, I wasn't a big fan whenever I first saw him. Uh, and I'm going to give you two reasons. One, he wrestled barefoot, which is a pet peeve of mine. Two, he had glitter on his, uh, on his tights. 
another pet peeve of mine. Because if you leave glitter in the ring, that just pisses me off. I would hate so much to have to go in the ring after somebody that had glitter on their clothes because now I'm stepping all over the glitter and I'll get it all over my clothes. And those, oh, God damn it, I hate glitter so much. So he already, going into this match, Kara was not winning me over immediately. Then the bell rang. And throughout this match, this first match, Ilya starts feeling feelings that he's never felt for another person in his life. And it scares him. Ilya finds himself admiring Car Noir the more this match happens. Because Ilya is able to recognize that what is happening between them isn't so much a fight as it is a work of art. It's kind of crazy to talk about, but if you watch this match, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and it'll make sense. Then they go into the second match. After the first match, Ilya wasn't really feeling it. You know, he, he beats Kara and just kind of bails. He's, he, he's not too happy about these feelings that he's feeling. By the time the second match happens, Ilya starts to succumb to the feelings, and he recognizes he, he admires this guy. This isn't just an opponent that he has respect for. There's something different here. Something about Car Noir. Ilya Dragunov just he 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 doesn't he can't he can't scratch it, you know. It's so it's it's odd. And Car catches him slipping. And I believe he taps him out in the second match. Then they go into the third match, chapter 99. Brilliant end of this story. Ilya actually comes out wearing Kara's face paint. There's a point in this match where these guys bounce off the ropes to go for a double clothesline, and they just stop and hug each other whenever they make contact. It's crazy. It's I know for a lot of people, a story like this isn't really your thing. I can understand that. And I would say before I saw this feud, I would say it wasn't really my thing. Like, I don't really need to watch two guys seemingly fall in love with each other in the ring. I don't need that. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a blatant, like the, the announced team is putting it over as like these guys are like, you know, quote unquote, in love. It wasn't anything like that, but it was all about undertones. This match, the subtleties in this match, and in all three of these matches, is all that anybody can talk about. Just the all of the undertones and, and, and the looks. The looks on their faces, their body language. It was a masterclass. And like I said, these two guys realized what they were creating wasn't violence, it was art. And the reason that I put all, not only all three of these matches on this list, but the reason that I put them so high is because they made me feel a way about wrestling I'd never felt in my life. I watched these three guys wrestle, and by the time it was all over, all I could say was, that was beautiful. It was. This was the first time that I didn't look at wrestling as just a fight. I looked at it as art. Beautiful art. Art. This was, oh my God. I, 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 I have literal goosebumps right now talking about it. I wish this was a video podcast so I could show you guys the goosebumps. Oh my God. Um, yeah, brilliant match. Car Noir, Ilya Dragunov, chapters 96, 97, 99. Watch all three of them. Demand progress. Get the app if you haven't already. You know, 
it's beautiful. I'm, I'm almost I'm almost speechless just talking about it now. Let's go ahead and move on to number two before I start feeling any more feelings that I'm not ready to feel yet. Um, number two, the only AEW match on this list. Can you guess what it is? I bet you can. Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes, double or nothing 2019. This is the first show under the AEW banner. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't go back and look at this show as an amazing show as a whole. Yes, the main event was good. Yes, the tag team match between the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks was very good. But nothing compares to this match. This match was absolute perfection. It was old school storytelling at its best. I don't think anybody actually thought Dustin Rhodes was going to win this match. I Lord knows I didn't. But as an older brother, there was a part of me screaming at my TV going, beat his ass, Dustin. Jesus, make that little some bitch go outside and grab a switch. I just wanted him as an older brother. Because I know if I was wrestling my little brother, I'd beat his fucking ass so bad. <laughs> I wanted it, man. I was like, there's no way Dustin Rose wins this match. But if he does, <laughs> I will get off of my couch and I will start screaming and cheering and jumping up and down in my living room right now. Beautiful match. Bloody match. Very bloody match. Um... Obviously, that that image uh, at the end, after the match is over, and and Cody asks Dustin to be his tag team partner against the Young Bucks at Fight for the Fall, and obviously that promo, still, uh, to a lot of people, that's one of the greatest things to ever happen in AEW. Uh, as you can tell, there isn't any other AEW matches on this list, and it's not because I think that there are no other good AEW matches. None of them are this good, though. There's a lot of great matches. The Lights Out match between Moxley and Omega I thought was fantastic. Uh, the Orange Cassidy and Pac match at Revolution I thought was fantastic. They're not top 10 worthy, though. This match, it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. And I hope AEW does top it. And I have to revise this list. I hope they do. Um, these two guys, I believe, you know, if, they're, if their dad was watching from wherever he may be, you know, in heaven, if you believe in that. If his if their dad was watching this match, there's no way he wasn't proud of it. Um it was it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Now let's move on to the main event. We've talked about some great matches, but this match hit me harder than any of these other matches have. Number one on my personal top ten favorite matches list. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 12, Street Fight, 2018. This is not the last time these guys wrestled. As you know, we just talked about Double or Nothing. They were the main event on that show. But this was the best time. Simply for this one reason. None of us ever thought this would happen. It's weird to think about now. Because obviously they've been in the same company for the last few years. 
But Chris Jericho, we all consider Chris Jericho a WWE guy. He was at that company for almost 20 years. And we're like, he's not going anywhere. Even whenever he did, even whenever his contract did expire, he would always go back and do spots for them. I believe after this, he did one more spot with him. I think he did one of those Saudi Arabia shows that took place after this match. But whenever that video package aired, I think it was after Omega defended the U.S. title, there was that video package of Chris Jericho challenging Kenny Omega. I'm not even ashamed to tell you guys, when I saw that, I cried. I straight up cried. My wife was right next to me whenever I did it. Because never in a million years did I think I'd see something like that. And I know that it's funny to talk about now because so many companies are working together now and we're seeing a lot of these quote-unquote dream matches that a few years ago wouldn't have been possible. So I know a lot of people are probably desensitized to something like this now. But at this time, when this announcement was made late 2017, guys, remember... We hadn't seen anything like this. Not in our generation. This match broke boundaries. If you want to hit the nail right on the head, it broke walls. It broke the walls down. It really did. Just the announcement alone was worth the price of admission. Not to mention, the match itself was amazing. It was a brutal street fight. These two beat the shit out of each other. Chris Jericho was healing it the fuck up. Everybody, Chris Jericho, whenever he got out there, there were still people cheering. He did everything in his power to make sure by the end of that match what nobody chanting for Chris Jericho. And he did, a, he did an amazing job at it. This was, Chris Jericho spent so much of his career as a heel. And he's had some great work as a heel. For my money, this is the best that heel Jericho ever looked. The match was fantastic. The They both hit the, the greatest hits in their moveset. Match ends with a one-winged angel on a chair in the center of the ring. Hurt so bad, Jericho said, I ain't taking that damn bump ever again, that's for sure. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Nobody ever thought they were going to see something like this. I sure as hell didn't. When that match was happening... As it was happening, as I was watching it live, I'm still in my head going, man, there's no way this is real. I'm seeing shit right now. There's no way this is really happening. Like I said, I know it's weird to think about now because of how much wrestling has changed in the last three years. But come on, guys. Be honest with me. You remember whenever this match happened. You were thinking the same thing. It blew your fucking mind, didn't it? It absolutely blew mine. Yeah, I... I can't put it over enough, guys. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 12. If you have not watched it, please go on New Japan World and watch this match. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And that will do it for my personal top 10 favorite professional wrestling matches. Uh, what do you guys think? Anything on my top 10 that you would put on your top 10? Is there anywhere where you disagree with me? I'd love to hear about it. If you want to tell me about it, go ahead and send me an email at maineventheat at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear what your top 10 list looks like. Maybe I'll even look at it on next week's episode and, and see if there's any similarities or differences between mine and your lists. 
Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I think this has been this has been a very fun episode for me to record. I love talking about my favorite matches. All of just as I was talking about these matches, I was getting excited because I'm seeing them in my head as I'm talking about them, and I'm remembering just how much I absolutely love these matches. And after going through all ten, I think yes, this is personally my definitive top ten list. I think I make great choices here. Once again, like I said, what do you guys think? Email me at maineventheat at yahoo.com if you'd like to keep talking wrestling matches or if you have any questions for future episodes of the show. Also, if you want to support the show, the best way you can do that right now is go to prowrestlingtees.com slash robweathers. Pick up uh, one of four t-shirt designs. I just recently put up the first ever main event heat t-shirt. So if you guys would like to support the show specifically, go ahead and pick that up or pick up one of my other designs. I'd absolutely appreciate it. If you would like to get in touch with me on social media, you can follow me at Sweet Sexy Rob on Twitter and Instagram. That is at Sweet Sexy Rob. That is both Twitter and Instagram. Once again, if you have any questions for future episodes, main event heat at yahoo.com. Send those in. And that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we're going to have our very first interview. I hope to see you guys there. Thanks for hanging out.